This is James Malcolm. Reviews James Malcolm. A podcast where your host, James Malcolm, reviews James Malcolm. As a gay icon and stand-up comedian, James Malcolm has had his share of comedy reviews. Like this one from the spinoff.co.nz. If I'm honest, I did sleep through James Malcolm, so I just cannot comment on what they did. But now it's time for James Malcolm to review every part of himself and see what he discovers. Here's your host, James Malcolm. Hi guys, welcome along to another episode of James Malcolm Reviews James Malcolm. You know by now it's a podcast where I invite a friend to come on the podcast and review me, tell me what my pros and my cons are, what's good about me, what's bad about me. And this week, very excited, special guest, Eli Matthewson, very funny comedian and friend of mine. Uh, Welcome along. Thank you for coming on the pod. Kia ora, James. Thank you so much for having me. Such a delight to be here. How how are you feeling about reviewing me, Eli? Excited. You know, I've been listening to a few the other ones, particularly my boyfriend, Mm -hmm. PhD candidate Samuel Clack, future (laughs) clinical psychologist. Listen to his air. I actually listened to a few bits of it a couple of times because... Well, we'll get into it, but uh, and I also listened to Ray O'Leary yesterday and Mel Brace watching it. So I'm really, yeah, I've been, I've listened to other people's reviews, and I'm ready to give my own, my own opinion. Yeah, finally, Do you have some stuff that you're ready to get off your chest. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna really get into Love it. Love that. So yeah, I guess to hop into it straight away, why not? If you were writing a review about James Malcolm the person, mm-hmm. what do you think the headline of that review would be? <laughs> First title for my review, the headline would be "We're not even close," which is kind of a sequel to uh, what you said. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> for people who who know the wider James Malcolm cinematic universe, of this podcast where my boyfriend was on. I introduced Sam and James to each other, and now they're very good friends. And James points out in that podcast, he says, and yeah, and me and Eli were not even that close. <laughs> and I, well, I was listening to it in my car, and I like stopped my car and like audibly gasped. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went back and screen recorded that section and sent it to Sam and to James. And said, could not believe this. And, then, and that's why, I mean, I was so surprised to get the call up because I guess we're not even that close, James, but... Uh, well, yeah, look, I have... We're a little bit down the list. No, just kidding. Wow. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I guess I just meant... I, I said this too many messages and I was like, oh, shit. I guess I just meant that you and... Like, I'm closer to Sam now than I have ever been to you. I don't know if that actually makes it better. No. <laughs> it, I think it checks out... Well, here, when I was getting ready for this podcast and thinking about our friendship, I went through our, like all of our Facebook messages pretty much, like trawling oh, for yeah. things. Um, wow. And I would say that that is, I would say a lot of our friendship has been online. Like we probably haven't mm-hmm. hung out one-on-one too many times that wasn't like backstage no, in a green room or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Whereas you, yeah. you would, the first time you hung out with Sam, you hung out with Sam one-on-one. So you yeah. go straight into that. We, I, I feel like... Though, you, for someone who you had said we're not even that close, you've shared some very intimate personal details with me. I went through, like, <laughs> Facebook Messenger. You've shared, like, some intimate stories. You've asked me lots of huge, important questions. So, I mean, I'd hate to think what you put on people who you are close with. <laughs> 
I'm, I, I feel bad now. I think we are close, <laughs> but but I guess I, I meet in comparison to Samuel, right? Yes, I know. That. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Do you remember how we first met Eli? Not properly. I know. I remember I when I do. first. I have a strong memory. <laughs> really? What were you going to say though? Well, I know I saw your your raw final at, at Q Theatre versus Suzanne oh, yeah, Paul. Okay. So that's how oh, yes. I. That's what will be what I think of when I think of like first meeting you, even though we didn't meet then. Why? Yeah. What? What's the strong memory? <laughs> I remember the first time we met because I got it was after Raw Comedy Quest, and I think Donna or someone messaged me and was like. Congrats on Raw Quest. Do you want to do a snort, like monologue? And I was yeah. like, yes, you know, sounds cool, sounds fun. I came down and I met you, and you were like, hey, hey man, thanks for doing snort tonight. Do you want a beer? And I was like, oh no, I'm all good. I think I'm just going to have um, a water or something. And you were like, gay. <laughs> and I have never felt less cool in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. It was just, it was very funny. Um, that's just like my boot. Maybe, I don't know if that was the, I feel like that was the first time we met. If not, it was one of the first times we met. That's yeah, my, like, that's my first memory. Of- that's so mean. I'm so sorry. Hey, just stuff in Auckland. <laughs> I was probably just threatened. You just won the Raw Quest and I've never, I'd like never won any comedy thing. So I was like, this yeah, but new, you were well, this new you were gay well- is going <laughs> to Take everything from me. <laughs> I do think then, that my main interactions with you are bullying as well. Like, I think my sense of humor when I hang out with you <laughs> is to bully you as well. Do you think? Do you think that's specific to me? Uh, maybe you and like your generation of of comedians, because right. even though we're not okay. not really a different generation, we're like I don't know, you know, a five year gap or whatever. But it's still yeah, enough for me. If it was a TV show, it would be the next gen. You know, they you would, would call be, it. New Zealand comedians, the next generation. Season three, skins. Yeah. Vibes. <laughs> what do you, where do you think that comes from? Well, I don't think I've ever, well, I guess when I started doing comedy, I was always like the youngest person on the bill for so long. Like, because I think mm-hmm. your generation is something slightly separate. Well, like you've, there's quite a big group of you all together. And for us, like before we started Snore, especially, it was like, we, there wasn't many of us, you know, like there wasn't like a, as big a younger Paul. So it was always like me doing gigs with like Paul, Paul Ego and Titarangi, you know, like, like ages, yeah, ages right. around, like in random spots with lineups that were all different and all more established than me. So maybe it's for me a rare opportunity to feel like I have some power over <laughs> You're jealous of our privilege? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm jealous <laughs> of you guys have got friends, which is such a, like, a stupid thing to say anyway, considering I am in literally the biggest comedy clique uh, of <laughs> Yeah. I feel like I've like started making my own clique now. This is like. You've got a kind huge of... clique. Thank you. I, yeah. I appreciate that. And, I, and I, I'm proud of that. <laughs> You've like the, the tradition of starting big comedy cliques has been oh, passed yeah. down. Yeah, of sharing screenshots from the guild, which I'm sure is what you guys do, and like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did it the other I, day. I, with... 
I get filled in as well because Sam's in the chat, so I kind of know what's going on sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah. Ugh, there's leaks. There's always leaks in the ship. <laughs> there is a leak. You guys like the National Party of Comedy. But this not, group chat is not without its leaks, I would say. No, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, why? What do you know? What have you seen? <laughs> Who's leaking? No, just kidding. <laughs> Eli, if you were describing me to someone who had never met me before and you were sort of telling them a bit about my vibe, what do you think mm-hmm. you would, how do you think you would describe me to them? I would be like, James Malcolm is like the sweetest, the sweetest little boy you'll ever meet. I think wow. that's what I'd say. Because when Thank I think you. of you, like who you are on stage, you're like dirty jokes that subvert like your own sweet natured like look and the way you speak. But I think the true you leans closer to the sweet natured than the like. I don't think of you as like a filthy animal, really. I think you are <laughs> you are the sweet natured, kind boy. Thank you. You're welcome. I think that more commonly when people are talking about when people answer this question, they say how they would first describe me. They like are almost bracing people for what I'm going to be. Wow. So, I feel good that you know. I feel not, I feel positive about that. I'd say that yeah. I'd be like he's a sweet little honey. That's his vibe. Oh, that's lovely. Thank okay. you, Eli. I really Thanks. appreciate that. In fact, I think I've said that to people. Wow. So with it comes no, from real with, life. And to clarify, with no, no, like, what you call it? No caveats? Yeah, caveats, yeah, yeah. Word. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I'd be like, he's the sweetest little guy. And um, no caveats. <laughs> that <doesn't laughs> <seem it. laughs> and there is absolutely nothing wrong with him. <laughs> but I say it with that kind of volume and then they get worried. <laughs> <laughs> Great, love that. Thank you, Eli. You're welcome. All right. Welcome. All right. Well, I guess uh yeah, let's move on to uh the meaty part of the review, mm-hmm. which is where we talk about in a review, you know, you list the good things about the thing you're reviewing and the bad things, and we start off with the good things so I don't get my feelings hurt too much. So I think that's crazy. Not to oh, what do you review mean? I'll review the structure of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay, go. An actual review would start with like a top line summation indicating your complete feeling. I guess you do do that. But I'd, I think you'd go negative first and then end with a positive. Don't you think? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, maybe. I don't know. I, I, do you not uh, think you'd feel better <laughs> if like we went through your negatives right now and I ripped you down and then, <laughs> and then we ended on the positives? <laughs> And then you got to go out in the world thinking, oh, yeah, he's true. I am like that. <laughs> my, uh, maybe. I, I guess my thinking is, like, if if, if I have the pros, mm-hmm. then I, like, I like when the negatives are happening, I don't have to, I don't feel like, oh, my gosh, this person hates me because I can remember back on the, on the true, pros. True, 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 true. Yeah, I got it. I got you. Yeah, okay. Well... <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do it? Would you rather do your cots first? No, no, I want to adhere to your your fucked up format. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, if you were reviewing James Malcolm, what do you think the pros would be? Okay, I, I actually wrote down four, four best quals. Great, qualities. love that. Number one, uh, great storyteller. I think you. you are really good at bringing... Like, I think of stories that you've told me. Like, for instance, the story of you and Ruby and Brendan Lovegrove all getting stung by bees. Uh, <laughs> like, I f- actually have such a vivid memory of that 
experience that I was not there for because of the <laughs> way that you told that story to me. And I think as a Thank stand-up you. as well, like all your best gear is like amazing stories. I, cause I, when I look at my gear, I'm like, oh, it's all observations. None of it's really that personal. And all your gear mm. is like super, like, this is what happened to me. Super yeah, personal. I'm, super you. I'm very, um, what's it called? Anecdotal with mm. my stand up. I, but I think I, the other way around where I like, I think sometimes I could be stronger at making those observations. But yeah, yeah. I think that's nice. I think I am good at telling stories. And I think that like, yeah, I think that that's nice. I like doing that because. Yeah, because I like feeling like... Not that I think that your stand-up isn't personal to you, but I like feeling like my stand-up is personal to me. Mm. No, mine isn't. Mine could, be, mine could be from anyone. Any motherfucker could be saying that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that, but... But, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I think it's true. And I think it's so good. And it's a change. And I think it's unique because I think most people's stand-up is more observational than anecdotal. Not only is the way you tell the stories good, but, like like interesting things have happened to you and your family is interesting and you know like there's so many things that are it's not like you're painting an amazing like like you're both good at painting an amazing picture and the pictures that you're painting are already interesting if you know what I mean yeah like the life experience is yeah. already yeah I don't know if this is a pro not I mean it works out as a pro because I do jokes about it but I think I'm good at getting myself into trouble yeah <laughs> That's a good quality to have. He's a sometimes naughty boy. Like, <laughs> but sometimes, like, I mean, not to always harp back to, like, uh, sex stories, but, like, sex stories are a lot of what I do. Not uh-huh. all, but a lot. And, like, a lot of the times when I have, like, a casual hookup or something, which I actually don't do that often, but when I do, and it goes badly, a little part of me, like, it's almost the preferred option. <laughs> it's, like, for yeah. it to be... Is for them to be some sort of awkward moment during the hookup because then I could be like, oh, this is a story now. Exactly. It could be five minutes of gear for you. Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> some of those stories are, like that peach coat guy, that's a long story, right? It was so many good beats. Yeah. And I, did you know at the time, were you like, yep, yeah, this is it, this is it, this is all This is all going in the show? I think in the back of my head, I think in the back of my head with the peach coat story, which... To give a brief summary like is a, a guy I hooked up with who after the hookup like demanded that I get him some peach coca-cola and was not also even a nice flavor <laughs> <laughs> and was also shocked that I didn't have peach like was like <laughs> like almost expected me to have the peach coca-cola ready did you have an alternative so- coca-cola available <laughs> I don't think I had any Coca-Cola. I was a very bad host of that <laughs> And it was at like 3am. And so I was like, well, the supermarket's closed. And then he was like, well, gas stations are 24-7. And I was like, oh, fuck. And so we walked 20 minutes to buy a 600ml peach Coke. And we walked back. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. And I think in the back of my mind, as I was walking, I remember as I was walking to the service station, he said... Just to let you know, I'm I do crazy things like this all the time. So like if we keep dating, like just know that these are the kind of kooky things we're gonna do all the time. And I was like oh in the back God. of my head, I was like I was like, this is never gonna happen again, but also like this I think I the back of my head was like, this is probably material. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Imagine if the kooky things that you do all the time was just need peach cook. <laughs> <laughs> into a review of peach coke guy (laughs) okay do you Um, want your next good quality yeah go for it okay i think you have a fashion sense that is very true to you 
You have lots of looks that are like iconically your looks. And I think if I saw the clothes in isolation, I would be able to pick which are your clothes. And that's a good thing. Yeah. And they all tie together. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I thought of this as well because while I was going through my Facebook messages, I found you sending me a selfie of you in the dungarees in the dressing room. Oh, no. oh dear. When you were buying the, the iconic dungarees that you've had for a long, long time now. Um, the idea, by the way, of you scrolling through our old messages to come up with material for this like is completely mortifying to me yeah i bet i bet um <laughs> look you gotta do what you gotta do to get your uh review materials and i do respect that but <laughs> i i i fear that like 2017 or 2018 james malcolm was like like there's been i feel like there's been some growth that has reduced my cringe levels <laughs> <laughs> For sure, for sure. I think there's been growth, but there's also so much that is iconically you. And that's what I mean about your dress sense. And it's, why, and it's like continued on the same path. I think most people like dress in a whole bunch of different wacky ways and take ages to work out who they are, like what their look is. And I feel like mm. you've had it for a while. Thank you. You're what welcome. do you think, if you were to describe my look to someone who has never seen me, how would you describe it? I would say, um, like a grown up little boy, like, (laughs) (laughs) like an eight year old boy dressed on an adult man with, who looks like he could never grow facial hair. So, (laughs) (laughs) see, this is why I was wondering how much of a pro it was. I think I dress very badly, but I guess you're right that. Dressing badly is still like can still be iconically me. Well, I don't think it's badly. I don't think you dress badly. You've got a brand though, you know, which I think especially as a performer, okay. you got all these looks that yeah. it's like, yeah, there that's James Malcolm and some James Malcolm clothes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. So start a fashion line. Uh... <laughs> Do you think it'd be pretty niche? <laughs> My Do you next... think you would buy anything from a James Malcolm fashion line? No, I think you could only sell it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there might be some James Malcolm stands out there who want to buy the look. You know, okay. you should do. You should start doing that with your Instagrams. You know, you can tap on them, and then they it comes up with buy the look. <laughs> okay, great. My next best quality is kind of tied to this, and again, I feel like maybe you'll think this is a neck. but i think you have like icon status in terms of like there are so many behaviors that you exhibit that are so iconically you that especially like within the comedy community are so well known like the guildies (laughs) are coming up we're all going to get a message from james malcolm asking us to vote for a most offensive gag and then we're (laughs) going to go on the night he's going to be the most drunk he's been all year and he's going to squeal the whole time like we'll know exactly where he's sitting we know exactly the arc that he'll go on across the night. <laughs> He's going to be so hammered at the start. He's going to be incomprehensible by the end. <laughs> He's going to be so supportive to his friends. But here's my thing. Do you, do, yeah, I am very supportive to my friends. But don't you agree that 
Ruby, you're agreeing that it is iconic behaviour because Ray O'Leary yeah. said that people get annoyed by it. And maybe some do, but I think a lot of people are like, oh, that's James. That's what I think as well. Yeah. I wouldn't say squeal more. <laughs> <laughs> I would say keep being you. Were you at the most recent Gildies? I can't remember. Pro- I brought my um, I brought my sister because she was in in town. Yeah, and she. Oh, I saw squealed. you afterwards. <laughs> she squealed as much or more than me, and so it was too. I guess she was just. She was also very drunk, and she was following. We're very similar people, and she yeah. was following my social cues. She was like, "I guess and... this is how you behave at this event." <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "No, not so... no. It's how one person behaves." <laughs> So there were two of us screaming. <laughs> and I, I guess I knew in the back of my head, I think the addition of another person screaming is going to make this uh, significantly more annoying. Mm-hmm. But I was also too drunk to really... like, And it would be quite hypocritical for me to be like, actually, um, <laughs> the screaming is my thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you need to sit here and be quiet. You're a guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While I loudly scream next to you. (laughs) Yeah. Also, just like when you... I guess this is associated with that, but like when you decide to get drunk, you get drunk. (laughs) (laughs) You're not really like in that halfway... I don't think it's ever an accident when you get super drunk. It's always like a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last quality I wrote was Heart of Gold. Oh, that's lovely. Because I think you've got a genuine Heart of Gold. And I think... Well, for a start, you work for a charity, which is like, you know, a very noble thing to do. I think you've always got your values in order. You don't want to do things that um, go against your value. Like, you always question things. Uh, and I think that's really good. Thank you, Eli. That's really sweet. That's a really You're nice welcome. way to round out the pros, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're up to the the greatest part of the show mm-hmm. um, which is in a review you have the pros but you also have to have the cons we've already dissected the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the way the show runs but this is the part of the show where you tell me what is not so good about me eli okay. so what do you think of the cons of james malcolm the first thing i wrote as a con for james malcolm is <laughs> blame external external things for when things go wrong so i think when anything goes wrong for you you will immediately blame anything but yourself for why it's gone wrong (laughs) anytime you miss out on a career opportunity or things go wrong in a social thing i think you you will always blame someone else before you consider yourself yeah i think that's true but i would argue maybe you disagree Mm. but i would argue that a lot of the times that's that is, has been correct, and maybe yeah. sometimes it, it hasn't always been, but maybe I'm somewhat conditioned to feel that way because it has been other times? Do you think yeah. that's fair or no? I think that's fair, because I think I when I th- th- was thinking about this as well, I think I'm the opposite a lot of the time. I always blame myself for anything going wrong and think that I'm like not good enough or didn't do a good enough job, which is right some of the time. Mm. At, at the same, and at the same time, a lot of the time, it's like structural, systemic things that have gone wrong, or that like people's attitudes are wrong. Things like having only one gay on a lineup or whatever. Yeah, which is true. 
but you also have some element of control over it. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, I think that I am very quick to blame other people. And I definitely can think of like specific times where that has been an incorrect thing, an incorrect judgment. And mm-hmm. like that jumping to that conclusion too soon has further hindered my career opportunities yeah. because I, you know, like maybe lashed out in a way that I shouldn't have, etc. <laughs> and I am going back a little bit. I think I've grown and now I probably haven't grown in the sense that I I still definitely mostly blame external things, but now I have the good sense to bitch about that with my friends rather than confront yeah. someone about that. Because even, <laughs> yeah, if you're, even if you're right and you confront someone about that, it doesn't improve your standing. Doesn't put you on a better standing, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what I've learned. Because when I first started comedy, I was 17, you know? So, like, yeah, sure, I yeah. think that in those early days, like, 17 to 20, I was making some pretty questionable questionable decisions in terms of like what i said to people about my feelings on not getting things but i think i'm now better at keeping that to myself and bitching about it with my friends yeah which is some improvement but maybe not all the way improved yeah i also think i my my experience is separate from yours is that like i came into it oh like i said because we've come into comedy like slightly different generations when i started there weren't that many young people doing it in general and so for me for a long time, I was, like, the only gay man doing stand-up for ages. For, well, not for ages, mm-hmm. but for a good few years. And so I always had a feeling that I would probably keep getting booked on things for novelty anyway, uh, which is mm. not a good thing to feel. And then when you entered and Mustard's Pack and other people kind of came in, I was like, oh, this is great because now it's great that it's harder because it's like we all need to be on our A-game to all get booked. But... yeah. That the whole idea of like only booking one and not booking the others. I don't. I don't know. I think you. Ended but maybe up. this is me doing what you said. My con was a little bit, but I sometimes think that that's a bit of a losing game because you people like you and Chris have had a lot more experience in the industry. Yeah. And so like, it's kind of like it doesn't matter how. Again, like I'm doing exactly what you said, and I'm blaming external things. But like, if there's this bullshit thing where like we need one gay on this panel or this. TV show or this lineup or whatever it yeah. ends up being. If we have that, then it's like it's hard for people who uh, it's hard for people to catch up when there's already someone more qualified or more experienced to jump into that. If there's only one yeah, slot, totally. and that's not your Eli, uh, your your Chris's or anyone's any of any performer's fault, but I think that's why sometimes it feels frustrating, right? Because like it's hard to climb the ladder when there's only one spot being given out. People feel like they've filled that gap because, yeah, there's one or two people that fill it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is stupid. Well, in some ways, though, I, I think it has produced better work from everyone because you can't just... Well, I, or by that I mean, when I first saw you win Raw, I was in a real, like, flatline part of doing stand-up. I, I had a real shit show that year. I was kind of railing on it, like, I don't know, on my coattail, resting on my coattails. Is that what you say? Resting on my laurels? Yeah, whatever. Whichever one it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you rest on someone else's coattails. Yeah. I was resting on my own coattails. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely made me have the, like, the realisation that it's like, your brand can't just be gay. Because if you... If that is... If, if, if your brand is 
the gay, then you are also playing into that people categorizing you as well. If they think of, like, I think maybe it's made us all have to work harder in terms of establishing our you fight the five or six white gay men in stand up now, but <laughs> <laughs> separating what each of us bring, especially when we do shows like No Homo, because which is your initiative, which is like we all. Everyone wants to come off looking great, so you 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 don't want to be doing the exact same style of jokes that everyone else is doing. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. I think it's a tough balance, though, right? Because yeah. like, on one hand, you don't you like yeah, you want to have something that separates yourself, but you also don't want to hold back from like being as gay as you like. You know, you want to be yeah. if like we're very gay people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. So, like, it's okay for our stand-up to be very gay, right? Because we are very... Like, that's a part of ourselves that we want to express. Definitely, definitely. But I think it makes you look more deeply and more personally about, like, what is specifically you. Yeah. Not saying, like, you can do... Like, to do material that's not gay or, like, scrap stuff because it's gay. But, like, what is it that makes it you beyond... Beyond mm. just being, like... Because for... I Like, I could probably get away with, like, when it was just me on the scene, it was like I could get away with like probably the thinnest gay stereotypes and I was, you know, I was doing shitty, yeah, right. shitty stuff. And now I think we're all better because we're all there. And I have done jokes in the past, especially on things like panel shows where I'm resting on a stereotype that isn't actually me as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing yeah. it because the audience knows I'm gay, so I'll fulfill this thing, if that makes sense. Anyway, this is a very deep discussion. There's as much a review on me as it is on you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's but your next I think one? what oh, that, that's what I mean about when I say that you blaming external things as well is that you also have come up in a time where it is hard. It is really hard, like in terms of like com- like the comedy festival and stuff. There are more acts. There's more people vying for shows, vying for venues. So like, you have you do get. Um, the hard end sometime, I think, of coming through in a time where there's heaps of good people. And as as a really good comic, I think you've had to fight some battles that you shouldn't have had to fight. Thanks, Eli. You're welcome. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, what's your next con? My next one is <laughs> need approval from many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah, like, for instance, when you would send me, like, your comedy festival posters, like, the three different options that you're choosing between, sometimes I am like, I wonder how many other people he's sending this to. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. <laughs> but that's because, again, over I ten, wanted a over ten? opinion. Um, maybe. Around, yeah, double around digits. Ten. Wow. Probably around ten. <laughs> and because it's, it's for things like that, it's for, like, posters... But also for, like, boys that you're maybe going to date or something, I feel like sometimes you ask for people's approval on that sort of thing. Maybe. Yeah. I seek approval a lot in a lot of different aspects of my life. And I think that, yeah, that I could be better at uh, not yeah, not needing that as much and being a bit more just confident in myself. But I think that some, I'm very, like, I'm a very, like, words of, like, you know when they say, like, what your love language is? Yeah. I don't know if that's bullshit or not, um, but... But if it's not bullshit, I think mine is words of affirmation. And I, I love to be told, you know, you're doing a good job. 
Isn't your... <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> Isn't your love language meant to be the way that you give out love, not the way that you receive it? No, is it? Yeah, so if yours, if your love language was words of affirmation, what that would mean was that you would give other people words of affirmation. Oh, uh, okay. Or well, like, like if it's acts I of like service. You perform- <laughs> <laughs> it is funny how, yeah, also every time a Taylor Swift song comes out, you have to check in on my opinion as well. As someone who you know is like a dissenter, like it's not yeah, like a huge fan, you're like... <laughs> like better get in there <laughs> it's almost like because if i can get you or sam to say like that a taylor swift song is good then i like know that it's really broken through but that yeah. is often an uphill battle and also because we like the reverse taylor swift songs like always your list is like the, almost the exact reverse of what my ones are that's crazy do you like folklore um i do like folklore but i think that I like it because it was a surprise album. I think that if there was a lot of build-up for Folklore, I would be disappointed because it's not the type of Taylor Swift that I... Like, it's not my peak Taylor Swift in the sense of, like, I like pop banger, you know, yeah. like, talking about how people have wronged her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sort of Taylor Swift. And this is obviously a very different side of Taylor Swift. And so because it was just dropped on my birthday, by the way, which is very exciting, I... I just, like, got to appreciate it for what it was, a, a different thing. But if there'd been a big build-up and a big, like, promotional tour of it and then it came out and there wasn't a single song about how, like, fucking Scooter Braun wronged her, then I would be disappointed, I think. Yeah. I think we got it in the right time in New Zealand as well. It's, like, winter here, so it's kind of, like... It's music that suited the the out, outdoors. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's the <laughs> mini-review of Taylor Swift's folklore. <laughs> Wait, okay. did you, so did you, wait, sorry, did you like folklore? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. But I feel like I was, like, kind of depressed that week and it made me, de- it made me more depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Christchurch and I listened to it heaps because my mum lives really f- quite far out of town, so I always, was always doing, like, well, she lives, like, 25 minutes out of town, so, it, like, long drives. So I just listened to it so many times and quite a bit of that week I was like just tired and groggy and not happy and it, like so I pair mm-hmm. it with that <laughs> okay here's my final con <laughs> um I feel like you've already alluded to this but I feel like you are less horny than your stand-up is you as a person are less horny and sexualized than your stand-up is yeah That's I don't interesting I don't think of you as as someone who is like ready to fuck, wanting to fuck boys all day long. I think of you as someone who who wants to watch board ga- play board games, watch films, listen to Taylor Swift, yeah. go to family more for horny. the dancing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure you can be horny. <laughs> but, but I feel like, like a, a James, James Markham 15-minute stand-up set is probably going to have three full-on sex stories, giving off a brand of you as someone who has some crazy, like loop-de-loo sex and but mm. but those maybe happened across three years you know yeah i think that yeah i think that's something i uh in my n- next show and like writing want to challenge myself to be better at but i think that i'm already steering towards is like making sure that it's clear that i'm joking about the sex because the because se- sex is an area that 
is uncomfortable to me and I don't yeah. think that's always come across. But I think it, I think in some of my recent jokes, like, for example, the joke about topping for the first time. Yes. I think that Great that talk. does show, like, a level of discomfort in in terms of having sex, right? Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. not, like, maybe not, like, maybe I could go d- dull further into it. But I think that that is definitely, I think that something I could do to make my stand-up more true to myself is to... Because I love telling those sex stories, but I understand yeah. how some people would see them as, yeah, maybe a little bit disingenuous because I am not necessarily always like that in my day-to-day life. But I think that I want to work on like still telling them, but in a way that makes it clear that that it comes from a place of discomfort and like feeling awkward around sex stuff. True. I don't think it's fair to call it disingenuous because I wouldn't say that it's like it's not you, mm-hmm. but the percentage of which it's you is so much higher in your stand-up than it is in your real life, which isn't even really like a huge problem because like Amy Schumer is like hypersexualized stand-up and then you read her book and like she openly is like, I'm pretty conservative sexually. Mm. <laughs> so it's like your stage brand doesn't necessarily need to pair up but I do think you probably might find some interesting stuff if you focus on other areas of your life like if you wrote some stand-up about board games I don't know you know like I don't know I'm sure there's more there's more things to you than those sex stories yeah I think I definitely want to do that in my next show but honestly it's scary I think that I've gotten good at writing sex jokes and I know there's like a real rhythm to it that I think I've close to mastered. Do you know what I mean? Like that I think I'm really good at like at telling a story like that in a way and having the beats and knowing the punchlines and stuff. And it scares me a little bit to talk about other stuff, which is why I need to do it. And I will do it. Yeah, definitely. Because your first stand-up was about how much you loved Miley Cyrus Mm. that I saw. And that is so separate from anything really that you do now. But like, yep. what if you went back into that, these things that you're passionate about that are like, so you, yeah. Cause like one of the joke, one of your jokes about Miley Cyrus was about a song that most people in the audience hearing the joke wouldn't have even heard the song, but you still, it had such a good punchline that it still like hit. Yeah. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. This has been a great writing workshop. <laughs> 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 well the good thing is Comedy Fest 2021 is probably going to be cancelled as well So we, can just, we, can just <laughs> we don't need to perform anymore <laughs> Comedy is actually over <laughs> It's so lucky you got, you got a podcast at just the right time Because this is all we got now <laughs> Alright so that was all the cons Yeah Great That was you all the cons throat. Yeah we did I it I love that all right, so do you have a story, Eli, that is quintessentially James Malcolm? Yes, and after all this talk about you being less horny than your stand-up, this is actually a, quite a horny story. You messaged <laughs> me in the middle of a hookup, <laughs> using me a what Facebook mes- message while you were hooking up with a guy. You said you needed to get a glass of water because it had been two hours and he hadn't come yet. <laughs> <laughs> Stand up about that. That could be my horny story for this year. Yeah, well, I've got the screenshots of the Facebook message, so I can put them to you afterwards. But yeah, yeah you messaged right. me asking me how to get rid of him. 
Yeah. Because we were, yeah, because he was, I was bottoming and we just kept going at it and it just never happened. Two hours. Yeah. That's crazy. That is too long. <laughs> and he just seemed to keep going. Like, you would have thought at some point he would be like, okay, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But, and I remember, I actually remember the story now because <laughs> it was in an Ed. Airbnb that I was staying at with my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he was at a a conference for the day. And I think that it ended up ending like at maybe the two hour and a half hour mark or something because I was like, okay, well now you really have to go because my dad will be home. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I love that. If he acted like that was normal, that must be normal. Like that must have happened to many other people. Do you must reckon, have been yeah. in your position. Yeah. My, yeah. Or I was really mad and he's trying to be polite. Like you gotta consider that as an option. That is one of the possibilities. I can't imagine anyone being that bad that it takes you two and a half hours. I guess to your come. erection would go away if it was that bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think some guys just can't come. And that's kind yeah. of the moral of the um <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's a beautiful moral. I do remember. Here's the worst thing that I've ever done to you. I reckon was when you lost your virginity at my friend's flat, and then he told me, and then I messaged you to say congratulations. <laughs> I <laughs> talked about this on the episode with Joseph Moore. It's yeah. Joseph. <laughs> it was Joseph. Um, and I did feel really bad about that. In fact, I still think about that sometimes. And I'm like, God, that was overstepping the line. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I know mean, it's mainly story... his fault. Yeah, it Joseph's. definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, this is my most like uh, awkward story <laughs> between us. Like, I wasn't sure if you would bring up or not. Yeah. But I'd love to get your perspective on this. Um, uh-huh is when me and Sam first started hanging out, I went to a party at his... It was like his Leaving Wellington party. Yeah, at the old flat, yeah. Yeah. And I um, I went there. I was hanging out with someone in Sam's room. And then we, uh, we took a photo on Sam's bed. Do you remember this? No. And then... I think, like, we were sitting on Sam's bed and we took a photo. And then you... Uh, maybe it was just of me. Maybe... Uh, I can't remember. But I remember that you... You messaged Joe. You were like, Can you please tell James to get off my boyfriend's bed? And... <laughs> I was like... Oh, shit. And then I, like, had a full-on panic attack. And I was like, oh, my, oh my God. God. Eli hates me. I don't know. I've crossed this boundary. And then, like, 30 minutes later, you were like, I was joking. <laughs> Why would I possibly care <laughs> I was so That was definitely, strange. like... I feel like a few people at that party were, like, messaging me things. That it was, I was definitely probably in a state of, like, man, I wish I was at my boyfriend's cool fun party that he's having right now. So yeah, maybe right. there was a bit of more venom in the message in terms of how I wrote it. Because I don't think but, you messaged me either. I think you messaged Joe and were like, can you tell James to get off my boyfriend's bed? And I was like, oh no, I've burnt this bridge with Eli forever. Um, no, you can trust that I was not angry about that. 
cry. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I wasn't that protective of my boyfriend's bed that I didn't want people to sit on it. <laughs> I remember feeling like uncomfy because I think the weekend before I had missed my bus home and Sam had slept on the couch and let me sleep in his bed and I was like if Eli's mad at me sitting on Sam's bed if he ever finds out <laughs> about the fact that I slept in Sam's bed one night he's gonna be fucking raging I'm gonna roll you man I'm gonna get you eliminated from the industry for sleeping in my bed that's so nice of Sam that he gave you the bed and he went on the couch yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on on the podcast, Eli. Thanks for having me. Didn't think Um, I was going to make it, but I got asked. (laughs) Do you have anything to plug to my millions of listeners? Um, Wear a mask on public transport (laughs) and keep gatherings to below 10 people. (laughs) Great. I love that. Um, And have a podcast as well called The Mail Case. Thank you, uh, thank you for joining me, Eli, and thank you everyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, well, what do you say at the end of your podcast? Like, give, do you tell people to give it five stars, or are we just are we past that in podcast? Oh, <laughs> sometimes at the moment, I just trickle out, just slowly <laughs> trickle out into nothing. <laughs> That's how we Seems like it's what's happening here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. See you next time. Bye.